Welcome to the Tell Us Something podcast. I'm Mark Moss. Tell Us Something awakens imagination, empowers storytellers, and connects the Missoula community through the transformative power of personal storytelling. It is a celebration of each other, our stories, and how we move through the world together. All of the stories at Tell Us Something are true. Stories last for 10 minutes and are told from memory. Everyone is welcome to tell a story. The community comes together for a night of true personal stories, shared live, focused on a theme. Everyone has a story. What's yours? The next Tell Us Something is December 12th. The theme is Getting Away With It, and we are taking story pitches now. Call the pitch line to pitch your story. 406-203-4683. The submission deadline is October 21st. After the submission deadline, the Tell Us Something Advisory Board will listen to all of the pitches and let you know next steps if you are selected to share your story. Get those pitches in now. Getting away with it. 406-203-4683. All right, let's get to this week's story. This episode of the Tell Us Something podcast was recorded in front of a live audience on September 10th 2017 at the Wilma in Missoula, Montana. Eight storytellers shared their story on the theme, Up the Blackfoot. Growing up around water and spending lots of time on the Big Blackfoot River gave Lisa Tripke a healthy respect for the water. Life on a lake is quite different from life on the river, though, and an afternoon on Placid Lake soon turns nearly deadly for her family. Lisa calls her story, Who Says Kids Don't Listen to Their Parents? Thanks for listening. So I have a bittersweet memory and a favorite memory, and, and the bittersweet one takes like 30 seconds. I, after a treacherous um, floating trip from Johnsrud, we stopped at the Blackfoot Tavern, and they had acrylic menu things on the table, and they sold tater tots, pizza, burgers, et cetera, and at the very bottom, it said chili dogs, and in parentheses, it said in season. And I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> So my my most bittersweet memory. I I grew up in Maryland, um, like Mark said, and and I was always on the water. I was a, a lifeguard. I uh, was on swim team. I fell off the high dive and landed on the cement. I was always at the pool, by the pool, etc. And my I was never allowed to watch Jaws growing up because my parents thought I would be afraid to swim in the ocean. So it was it was constantly by the water. I have a healthy fear of the water, but I'm not afraid of it. I'm a strong swimmer, etc. And so my kids have floated the river in kayaks or tubes ahead of me, behind me, since the time they were probably three years old. And we've gotten caught in thunderstorms and they've gotten off the river, etc. And so again, my fear is I, I love the water, but I know enough to um, to be afraid of it when it's reasonable. And so um, we have spent, my kids and I have spent most of like weeks or months of the last multiple summers camping up at Placid Lake, and it's our favorite lake around. And about five years ago, my middle son, who was 12 years old at the time, well, because of the four kids, we, they wanted to always drive our boat, and we didn't want them to damage it. So we were on the lookout for a boat that they could ride and take take care of, and et cetera. So we were trying to meet a person that was trying to sell his boat. We were going to test drive it, and he was going to meet us at the dock at the campground. And my, my one of my sons had gone across the lake, and the other three, plus a friend, were with us on a pontoon boat with my brother-in-law and his wife. And my husband at the time was out of town. And so the four kids were sitting up front, dipping their feet in the water. And we went around the lake for 45 minutes, you know, 
they were hooting and hollering, tipping their toes in the water. And we pulled around to the side to look for the person that was going to meet us. And for a split second, all the adults looked one direction and to see if the person was there. And the kids were still yelling, screaming. And when we turned back, literally a second later, the kids were still hooting and hollering. And, and it was just a different tone. And I heard my daughter yell, Mom, Sam, Sam, Sam. And I looked, and there was a kid, kid, space kid. And we were on a pontoon boat, and my son had fallen off the pontoon boat and gone through the pontoons. And my brother-in-law, who I never would have had the wherewithal to think about this, threw the boat in neutral. And as that happened, we felt a bump under our feet twice. And so my son went under the pontoon and um, bump, bump. We felt his body go under, and we turned around to look. And it took several seconds, probably the longest few seconds of my life, and he shot out. And he shot out about... 30 feet away, I, probably a bad judge of distance in that moment, but he shot out and he started screaming and he popped up and he was screaming, screaming, screaming. I had no life jacket, nothing on and I just immediately um, dove in the water and, and swam out to him. And the second I got out to him, there's actually a really cool part to this story, but the second I got out to him, <laughs> right? Um, the second I got out to him, he quit screaming like it was a mother-son moment, which was amazing. But when I got there, there was so much blood, it looked like a shark attack. And I lifted him up, and his arm was falling out, and the muscles, and, and I lifted him up and just to hold him up. And I had no life jacket on. I was treading water and lifted him up while the boat swung around, and we got him on there. And they carted the boat off to the side of the shore, and we got him out and laid him out. And all I kept saying was, Sam, just stay awake. Don't fall asleep. And I, and I don't even know why I was saying that, just because that's what people say when you're hurt, and you know they don't want you to go to sleep and not wake up. And so... I, that's, I just kept saying that, and, and he laid there, and we had to wait for, um, it's an interesting dynamic, but we had to wait, the, I wanted Life Flight to come in, because it was a bad deal, and I knew it right away, and we had to wait for the ambulance in Sealy Lake to come, so that they could come to the campground, take us around the corner, which was outside of the campground, to get to the Life Flight, so it was kind of a hurry up and wait game, and in the meantime, he was laying there, and the, the blade of the boat, of the motor, had snipped his life jacket, and he had three, three marks on his leg, and then his arm was obviously totally messed up. And so as we waited for the, um, for the ambulance to come around, I had to call my now ex-husband at the time, now ex-husband, and tell him. And we, he and I had a code that, like, whenever I needed money or something, I would say, call me ASAP. And... <laughs> And so I thought in my head, well, I really need him to call me. And so I put, call me immediately. And he got it. He actually got it and called me right away. And, and he said, what's going on? And I told him, I said, you know, Sam's been in an accident. And he said, is he going to live? And I said, you know, I don't know. I can't tell you that. I can tell you he's alive. He's here. He's awake. But they're getting ready to put him in an ambulance or the helicopter and take him to Missoula. So I, I can't answer your question. And so I just need you to know we're here. We're, he's alive. And that's all I can tell you. And it was the hardest phone call I've ever had to make in my life. So we got him on the ambulance, and and uh, and we got. I was in the back, and at that point, so I had the three other kids with me, and we had a tent pitched and everything, and all my belongings were there. And the, if I was in the ambulance, the kids could come with me. So I said, "You guys just grab anything you need, and we're going to go." And I wasn't real clear on what the rules with the helicopter were, obviously. But so I got on the in the ambulance to take us around the corner to the helicopter, and I was sitting in the back, kind of one foot in front of the other, and the people that were driving the ambulance said, well, we're just going to cancel life flight. 
And I said, and it was kind of like this in one ear and out the other. Like I didn't, I wasn't really sure what I'd heard what they said. And I said, what did you say? And they said, we're going to cancel life light. And I'm like, well, how long till it gets here? They said, it's here. We just, we're just going to drive him in. And I said, you know, you can't, you have to put my son on life light. I said, this is life or death. And, and I'm not sure he's going to make it the 90 minutes versus the 10. And so in the end, I think there was some, um, rubbing of, of life light versus the ambulance trying to, you know, territorial stuff, but they ended up driving us around to the, and they said, well, we'll just see what life light says. I said, I need to do that. So we drove around the life light, which is like a minute away. They poked their head in. They said, yeah, he's coming with us. So at that point, I could not know, I could no longer take my kids with me. They took my son and for, and then I had to drive to Missoula. And so it was the longest 45 minutes of my life and I probably made it in 30. And so I had one child who was, you know, um, maybe gonna make it, maybe not. And I took the other three, including one that was not my own, and I probably drove the entire way home at 90 miles an hour, all the way down the highway, knowing if I got pulled over, I had a reasonable excuse and I could tell them what was going on. And we got there, we walked into the, to the emergency room and it was total white, sterile, like you would expect it to be. And I walked in with the, the three kids who were 12, 12 and 10 at the time. And my son was laying on a white gurney, sterile white, and his arms were like this, and his eyes were closed. And I looked at, I remember looking at the nurse and saying, or mouthing, not saying it because I had the other kids with me, and I mouthed to her, is he alive? And she said, yeah. And I said, he doesn't look alive. I mean, I was terrified. And she goes, she said, oh no. She said, he, we just gave him the painkillers and he said, I can't go asleep until mom gets here because she told me not to fall asleep. I was like, dude, way to listen to me for, <laughs> for once. So I went over and I said, Sam, and he opened up in his eyes. I said, honey, you can go, go to sleep. So he closed his eyes, went to sleep, and they took him up to surgery, and it was a five-hour operation. The doctor came out afterwards and said, you know, I'm not sure how he made it. Somebody's watching over you. God's watching over you. Something happened because the blade nicked his bone and missed his artery, and by all, me by all, by all rights, he should not be alive. So Sam is my most humorous child. He's got a wicked sense of humor, but he's also very black and white. And the next day, I, I have to back up. When we were driving in, when we were um, racing in at 90 miles an hour, his twin sister was sitting in the front seat and they are, there's something about twin power. And they, these two are amazing and they've always had it. They fight, they love each other. It's a love-hate even to this day. But she, in that 30 minutes that it took me to get to Missoula, and I keep cutting down that time, Oh, I'm running out of time, I think. But she broke out in hives that were, that was, her whole face was covered. It looked like she had measles. And, and she ended up um, reacting because of this. So we got there, and I asked him later what happened and, and what he was thinking when the whole thing went through. And he said he had a plan for 20 minutes. He thought, what would happen if I fell under the thing? And he thought he would jump up and grab the sides. And he tried to do that and missed. And so he rolled himself in a ball underneath. And he had a split-second decision at 12 years old, and he rolled himself on into a ball, and had he not rolled himself into a ball, he wouldn't be here today because he totally missed all of the destruction that the blade would have done to his limbs or anything else. So the statistics are that he shouldn't be here, but he is. He, he was meant to stay on this earth, and um, it's just a phenomenal thing. And today, he's fully recovered, plays hockey and lacrosse and runs and does everything, and you would never know he went through this experience. And so the Blackfoot's been great to us. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks, Lisa. Lisa Tripke moved from Maryland to Missoula 26 years ago. She has been active in the community, volunteering, working at nonprofits, and at CostCare, where she currently works. She has four children who all participate in hockey, lacrosse, and cross country, one at Montana Tech, two at Howgate High School, and one at Washington Middle School. She is active in many of the outdoor recreational activities Missoula offers. She enjoys quality time with her friends and family and is currently running for mayor of Missoula. Learn more about Lisa and her bid for office at tripkeyformayor.com. That's T-R-I-E-P-K-E, the number four, mayor.com. Remember, your story matters. If you enjoyed this story, please share it with your friends on your favorite social media sites. Thanks. Tell us something is proud to be fiscally sponsored by Missoula Community Foundation, a 501c3 organization. Missoula Community Foundation has been providing leadership to Missoula nonprofits and inspiring long-term philanthropy in Missoula since 2007. For the good of Missoula, forever. MissoulaCommunityFoundation.org. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Gecko Designs, the creative crew at Gecko makes killer logos. Not like Serial Killer, but better than any you've seen on a cereal box. They build beautifully mobile-friendly websites for both large and small clients in Missoula and around the country. Gecko has been doing it for two and one-tenth decades. That's 21 human years and 336 Gecko years. I've met the team and can tell you that they're not as slimy as real lizards. When you're ready to get serious about your marketing, put a Liz in your biz. Visit the Gecko Designs team on North Higgins or online at geckodesigns.com. Logjam Presents. Logjam Presents is committed to creating a superior live entertainment experience through world-class production, state-of-the-art venues, and superior guest services. Headquartered in Missoula, Montana, Logjam Presents is an independent and privately owned live entertainment company. Logjam is the exclusive operator and promoter of the 4,000 capacity Kettle House Amphitheater, the 1,500 capacity Wilma, and the 550 capacity Top Hat Lounge. Working in close partnership with these venues, Logjam has created a unique artist and concert-goer experience that is unmatched in the Northwest. Logjampresents.com Cabinetparts.com The number one source for cabinet hardware since 1997. Anyone searching for the best kitchen cabinet hardware at a great price needs to go to Cabinetparts.com Cabinetparts.com in business since 1997 combines knowledgeable hardware specialists with the best online shopping experience nationwide. With fast and easy ordering, free hinge matching service, and same-day shipping, CabinetParts.com is the direct source for all of your cabinet hardware needs. The bookstore at the University of Montana, a local bookstore serving as students, faculty, and staff of the University of Montana, as well as the Missoula community. MontanaBookstore.com. Fact and fiction, where books, authors, ideas, and readers interact. FactandFictionBooks.com The Good Food Store Supporting Western Montana farmers and ranchers for almost 50 years, The Good Food Store supports the local folks creating their own beer, salsa, baked goods, ice cream, and more. The Good Food Store is a passionate supporter of Missoula nonprofits, supporting multiple organizations, events, and fundraisers every year. Learn more at GoodFoodStore.com Missoula Broadcasting Company Locally owned and operating four stations including The Trail 103.3 Missoula's Quality rock and part of our unique Western Montana community, featuring local DJs who love Missoula and know their music. Jack FM 105.9, playing what they want. U 104.5 FM, your at-work listening station. And ESPN 102.9, focusing on cities, state, and regional sports, giving exposure and insight to teams and athletes in and around Western Montana. Learn more at MissoulaBroadcasting.com. Martin McCain, Woodworks and Design. If you're looking for custom, modern, or mid 
mid-century cabinetry and furniture to fit your home, check out Martin's work on Instagram. He's at Martin underscore McCain underscore Woodworks over there and Martin McCain 79 on Pinterest. You can always friend up with him on Facebook because if he's doing work for you, it's pretty likely you'll become friends. Facebook.com slash Martin McCain Woodworks. Missoula Federal Credit Union. Missoula Federal Credit Union is a locally owned banking, not-for-profit financial cooperative. They put their members' funds to work in ways that provide benefits to people, the local economy, and the environment. That's belonging, and belonging is the new banking. MissoulaFCU.org. Enlightened Lab Float Center. Enlightened Lab is a spa featuring sensory deprivation or floating as a wellness therapy. Unplug, reset, and recharge in their state-of-the-art float tanks. Learn more at EnlightenLab.com. That's E-N-L-Y-T-E-N-L-A-B.com. Thanks to Cash for Junkers who provided the music for the podcast. Find them at cashforjunkersmusic.com. If you're interested in sponsoring Tell Us Something, email me at mark at tellussomething.org. That's M-A-R-C at tellussomething.org. Podcast production by Mark Moss. Thank you to everyone who attends the events, those of you who download the podcast, and most especially to the storytellers. Cindy Super, Lisa Tripke, Wendy Woolett, Tina Sverin, Sarah Elkins, Juanita Vero, Jay Dixon, and Jerry O'Connell. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check the website to find out how you can tell your own story. Tellussomething.org.